What's up, Freedom Chasers? If you're looking to convert more of your leads into deals, we have the show for you today. We have a guest that has generated over 100,000 internet leads, and his company did over 400 million in volume last year. We're going to show you exactly how he did it right now. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers Six Figure Strategies Podcast. If you're an agent or an investor yet to hit six figures, this is the show for you. We take a deep dive into strategies to help you achieve the goal of six figures so that you can grow up to seven figures eventually. Meet Michael Smith. He is the founder and CEO of Bluefield, a two-time Inc. 5000 company headquartered in Greenville, South Carolina, that provides real estate brokerage, property management, and insurance services. In just a few short, short years of launching, his brokerage has become the number one independent firm in their market. He's also the host of the Scaling from Scratch podcast, a weekly show where he discusses all the things he and his team have learned the hard way while growing a business. Michael Smith, man, we are super stoked to have you here today talking lead generation and lead conversion. If we could just start with a top level view of your lead generation and conversion strategy, and then we'll kind of dig deeper into it. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, you know, I'll start with just saying everything works, right? Whether it's internet leads, door knocking, cold calling, direct mail, everything works. One of the mistakes that I see most new agents make is that they kind of spread themselves too thin. They'll try this for a week. They'll try that for a week. They'll bounce around between a hundred different strategies and they'll claim that nothing works when in reality, they're not really getting good at any one thing and they're not giving anything enough time done consistently to produce results. So I think what people need to do is figure out maybe one or two lead generation strategies. That's a good fit for them. You know, their skill set, their budget, uh, their experience, whatever it may be, pick one or two things that you can get good at and do consistently over time because everything works as long as you are willing to work. Uh, so for me, I got into real estate about six years ago and I had just, I quit my job in the mortgage business, moved up to South Carolina, uh, got my real estate license. So I was in a new market. I didn't have a sphere of influence. I didn't want to cold call Fizbo's. I didn't want to door knock. It just wasn't for me. Uh, so from the day I got my license, I started buying internet leads. And, uh, you know, Realtor.com, Zillow, Google, Facebook, you name it. Um, I, you know, ran a little bit of money with each different platform kind of side by side for a year and, and tested some things out and measured ROI. Um, and I think, you know, people say that internet leads don't work, but they really do. Everything works. You just have to have a system in place to convert those leads. And I think a lot of people kind of confuse lead generation and lead conversion. Those are two very, very different things. So the way I teach our agents Lead generation is adding new names to your database and lead conversion is moving the existing people in your database through a, a systematic sales cycle. We want to get them from a lead to a closed transaction. So yeah, I mean, I, in 2016, I moved up here, got my real estate license, started buying leads from Realtor.com and Zillow. Um, my first full year as an agent in 2017, uh, I sold 59 houses and uh, it was very buyer heavy, about 90% buyers. And I think only one or two transactions that year uh, we're not from an internet lead. So it definitely, it definitely works. You just have to, you know, really have a system in place to convert those leads. Uh, so I think speed to lead is really important. I know that's a buzzword that gets thrown around a lot. You need to be able to contact these people as quickly as possible. Uh, whether it's a lead that's exclusive to you, or if it's a lead that's being sent to multiple agents at different companies at the same time, speed to lead is still very important because you want to catch people when they're still in that mindset and they have that intent that they had when they first pushed that button. Uh, so we, we try to call all of our leads within, you know, less than 60 seconds. Um, I did it on my own for about a year before I started building a team and hiring ISAs and all that. 
And if you're an individual agent listening to this, you know, you know that feeling, you get a lead, you pull over on the side of the road, pull out your phone, click the button to call them. You know, you're trying to juggle all those things in between appointments. I get it. It's tough. Um, there are all kinds of solutions out there nowadays that you can outsource, whether it's, you know, um, third-party companies, whether they're based in the U.S. or not, um, whether they're making phone calls or texting, whatever it is, you could hire your own in-house ISA or an assistant, or maybe it's just you making that phone call. But whatever it is, you need to prioritize calling new leads as quickly as possible. I'd say that's a, a pretty big percentage of the battle right there. Um, but I think another mistake a lot of people make is they will try one time and then they'll never try again. Or if they do, it's, it's not a systematic approach. Like I'm going to call this person every day for five days, whether they answer or not, you know, it's, uh, I'm a, I call, I leave a voicemail and then I get busy showing this house or writing this offer or returning my emails and doing all these million other things. And then maybe three weeks later, they remember, Oh yeah, I never called that lead a second time. So you've got to have a CRM. You've got to have systems in place that will prompt you and remind you to follow up with those leads over and over and over. Uh, mm -hmm. In our company, we do five times. So we'll, we'll call a new lead every day, five days in a row. Uh, and by that fifth time, if they haven't answered, we reclassify them and then we'll start trying them a little bit less frequently. Um, but you just need to have a systematic approach of this is how I do it every single time. And if you can use technology to take the guesswork out of it and just kind of tell you what you should be doing that day, that's really the ideal way to do it. Absolutely. 100% agreed. And, and I want to double down on your point of everything working because everything does work. There's a yeah. reason that we teach these strategies. It's because it works. Yeah. Everything doesn't work for everybody. So like you Correct. said, you have to lean into what works for you. Um, and I think there's usually one of two challenges most agents have. I mean, obviously there's a little bit more nuance to it than that, but the two that you, I see the most is number one, they're trying too many strategies and they're not getting good at any of them because they're doing 10 things at once and they're not doing any of them well, or yeah. they're not doing it long enough. Like you said, that they, they try something for three weeks and they think they're going to strike gold or something. It's like, do at least six months, at least six months. Yeah. I think that depends on what it is. You know, if you're, if you're buying expensive leads on Zillow and, you, and you're not seeing results, you know, like at least some appointments and stuff within 30, 45 days, you know, it's a problem with your ability, your skills and your ability to convert. Um, but other, other things like direct mail, it could be six months of mailing the same neighborhood month after month after month before we even get your first phone call. So you've got to understand like the medium in which you're trying to reach people. Some things take longer than others. Um, and you should do, do your research before you start anything and, and maybe talk to some other people that have done it before, you know, don't reinvent the wheel. If you think open houses are going to be your thing, learn from someone who's doing open houses at a really high level and has built their business on open houses. If you want to try for sale by owners, there are thousands of agents out there that have done this before you and figured it out and learn things the hard way. Learn from people that have built a big business on for sale by owners. So, you know, success leads clues. Look at the people that are already doing it and, and emulate what they're doing. Absolutely. Success leaves clues and, and make sure when you're asking for directions, you're asking from somebody that's been where you're going. Like, yeah. don't ask, don't ask the cold call guy how to do open houses. That makes no sense. Right. Um, so yep. cool. You had mentioned something at the beginning. So you're doing Realtor, Zillow, Facebook and Google. And you yep. said you were measuring the metrics. Like, which of those do you feel converted at the highest number? For us, we've had the best luck with Realtor.com, um, but that varies by market. Um, it really varies by zip code. Like in, in some zip codes, Zillow performs better for us than realtor.com. It really just depends on like what your goals are. Um, are you looking for something that's going to give you business really, really quick? 
or you're looking for something that's going to maybe take longer, but ultimately has a better ROI because the leads are cheaper, you know, like the Google pay-per-click leads that we do, those people, um, if you're doing that type of leads, you have to have the mindset that like, these are people who are not looking to buy within the next 30 days. Sometimes that's the case, but typically those types of leads are earlier on in the sales cycle. And you might have like a nine, 12, 18 month incubation period. We're having to constantly follow up with them before they're actually ready to buy. Whereas someone from realtor.com or Zillow, those leads are a lot more expensive, but they're typically people who are closer to making a, a transaction decision and could buy within the next 30, 60, 90 days. So you just need to be realistic. And that's why we do a combination of different things. We do realtor.com and Zillow, but we also kind of backfill with those longer term stuff like the Google and Facebook leads. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's a tremendous strategy. As you said, the realtor and Zillow, they're, they're far more intent right now. Um, and I think something to delineate, like the same thing with like Facebook, like it's pretty easy to get a ton of Facebook leads, but they have the similar problem as the Google ones. So they tend to be on a six to 12 month time frame, or, you know, they were just kind of clicking around. Um, like what I like about Google versus Facebook, is they tend to have high, higher intent at the very least. Right. So yeah, I think it's, um, it's what you call demand response marketing, right? So no one is on Facebook searching you know, maybe there are, but from my experience, you're not on Facebook typing in the search bar, homes for sale in Greenville, South Carolina. But that's exactly what people do when they go to Google. They're typing homes for sale in, in this uh, zip code or the school district or, you know, real estate agents near me. They're, they're searching with an intent. And you're literally only spending money on people that click your ad and go to your website. So it's very, very high intent based demand response marketing. It works really well. Absolutely, man. So obviously, $400 million in volume, your team is pumping out these units. And you mentioned you have a very specific system for them. You kind of gave us a glimpse at it. You give them five days of a calls. Um, yep. What else does it look if we were looking at a broader view yeah. of what the system is? So we've, we've kind of refined this over the years through trial and error. Like the way we do it right now isn't the way that we did it three years ago. Uh, the way we do it now, when a new lead comes in the system, it's assigned to an agent, but we also have an in-house team of inside salespeople on staff seven days a week that are making sure we call those leads as quickly as possible. And we do what we call land errancy. We're going to attack these people three different ways. We're going to call, we're going to text, and we're going to email. So every single lead, if we don't get them on the phone that very first time, we're going to send them a text. Because a lot of people, they're on their phone at work looking at houses, and they can't necessarily take a phone call, but maybe they can have a text conversation. Uh, so we're going to send them a text, hopefully engage with them that way. And uh, if that doesn't work, we're going to send them an email. Um, and that's going to be based on what type of lead it is. You know, if it's a an inquiry lead from Realtor.com or Zillow, if there's a specific address we know they're interested in, we're sending them a PDF of that MLS sheet. Um, if there are any specific questions they asked in that inquiry, like, hey, what are the HOA fees? What are the property taxes? We're making sure to address their question and provide value. And then we're also, even if we haven't had a conversation with them yet, if they didn't answer our phone call or our text, we're sending them a list of similar properties, setting them up on a safe search so that even if they don't answer our phone calls, they're getting those drip emails when new listings hit the market that are similar to the one they originally inquired about. And we've had a lot of leads over the years that never answered the phone, but we set them up on a safe search. And one day the right house hit the market, they saw it in their email, they liked it, and then they reached out to us. Uh, so every new lead is getting a safe search for new listings or getting a call, a text, and an email. Like I said earlier, we are trying these leads every single day for five days in a row. Uh, and the, the goal is to have a conversation with them to determine their, determine their time frame and their motivation. So once we actually are able to engage in a conversation with them, we're going to classify them as either hot, warm, or cold based on their time frame. So to us, a hot 
lead is someone who wants to transact within the next 90 days. If you are three to six months out from transacting, you're a warm lead. Anything more than six months is cold. The reason we do that is your stage, hot, warm, or cold, is going to determine the frequency of future follow-up. So if you are a hot lead who wants to transact in the next 90 days, we're going to call you every single week until you buy a house. If you're a warm lead, we're going to contact you every three weeks. If you're a cold lead, we're going to reach out to you every 45 to 60 days. Um, because, you know, if we have a conversation with someone, they say, hey, I'm retiring in two years and moving to South Carolina at that point, not going to buy a house for two weeks. We're definitely not going to call that person every single week. That would be overkill. That would be detrimental to the relationship. We're also not going to wait two years to reach out to them because it's too late at that point. They've probably already bought. Um, and conversely, if someone says, I really need to buy a house ASAP, I need to be out. My lease is almost up. I need to find a house in 60 days. We're not going to wait, you know, 45, 50 days to contact them again. We're going to, we're going to go weekly. Uh, so the cadence is important. The frequency is going to really be determined based on their time frame. Um, so we have those systems in place. Like I said, having a CRM is important because you need the technology to do that work for you. You don't need to be logging in every day and creating filters and trying to figure out who should I be calling today. You need technology that you can rely on to, to put those people in front of you. So our agents log in every day. They look at their hot list, their warm list, their cold list. And that list is only showing the people that are actually due for a communication based on what their stage is and how long it's been since the last communication. Absolutely. I love the very specific timeframes you have. So obviously you have a very specific system and, and the more specific it is, the better because, you know, you could fine tune it as you go. And as you have already mentioned, um, I'd love to know, like, what are the biggest challenges that you're seeing your agents having when trying to um, enforce the system that you built? Yeah, I think the hardest thing that agents struggle with is as they get busier, they're going to naturally allocate less time to lead follow up. You know, if you start off as a brand new agent, you're getting some leads, you've got all the time in the world to make these phone calls. But as you actually start to engage with these people and get appointments, and now all of a sudden you're out and showing houses, going listing appointments, writing offers, you're busy, naturally people will put those phone calls on the back burner. So that's the biggest thing that I see uh, agents struggle with is I don't have time to make my phone calls because I'm so busy. But that leads to the roller coaster effect, right? Like you have a really, really good month or a good couple months, and then you have a really slow couple months. Because you, you get all these contracts, you stop making phone calls, you're busy putting out fires and negotiating repairs and uh, the appraisal came in low, I've got to deal with that. Or you've got these really needy clients that you're working with and you neglect the follow-up and you get all those people closed and then you realize, shoot, I don't have a pipeline because I haven't been making my phone calls for the last 60 days. So what we really try to teach our agents is to um, just work in the discipline of time blocking, even if it's only an hour a day. Uh, or, you know, an hour, three days a week, just have some type of regular cadence. Maybe when you first get started and you're making phone calls, phone calls four hours a day, the key is to never go to zero. So no matter how busy you get, you've got to always have time in your schedule to do that lead follow-up, even if it's just an hour a day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is the, the downfall of the long sales cycle, right? Because you, you yeah. end up converting these leads and then you have to continue to grow the pipeline. You know, you have all these seeds planted. If you don't water them, they're not going to turn into trees. Very tremendous stuff there. Um, so I'm curious, like if I were to ask you like two or three more best practices, like you already gave me speed lead and some very informative timelines. But if I just put yeah. you on the spot and asked you for two to three more, would you be comfortable answering that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one thing that a lot of people do is they will call someone and they'll say, hey, I'm just checking it. And that is a complete waste of time. Uh, nobody wants you to call and check in. So 
you don't want to call and just say, oh, hey, how are, how are you doing today? You know, how's the home search going, right? You need to be much more intentional with, with that phone call. You can say, hey, uh, you know, John, the last time we spoke, you told me that your wife was pregnant and you needed an extra bedroom and the baby was due in March. Uh, hey, it's, it's mid-January. Uh, I've got three houses here that I think would be a great fit for you guys based on our last conversation. I'm texting them to you right now. Do you want to go see them tomorrow? Like you should be reaching out with a very intentional, proactive approach of, hey, let's go look at this house that I think is a good fit for you. So you don't just call to check in. How are things going? How's the home search? Have you seen any homes recently you might want to go take a look at? You need to be like, hey, this one just hit the market yesterday. It's got all the things that you were looking for. Let's go take a look at it. I think you hit a very key point there because you said specifically something about the prospect, right? Yep. You have a baby coming in March and things of that nature. What this does is it shows that somebody's paying attention. You know, they're not just another lead, like what they probably feel from all the other agents. Because this is another thing that people fail to realize sometimes is, you know, most of these prospects are not just on our list. They're probably on four or five agents lists because oh, we're yeah. all generating leads too, right? So yeah, um, don't think that there's any loyalty out there. So you do want to set yourself apart from everybody else. Um, yeah. And I'll also say too, like studies show that most people will work with the first agent they meet face to face. So if you're talking with someone and they say, hey, I I'm not going to be ready to buy for six months. Go ahead and take the appointment anyway. Meet with them. Show them the house, even if they haven't had time to talk with a lender yet. Um, I think a lot of agents make it too difficult for people to do business with them. You've got to meet. You've got to check all these boxes. These all, I'm going to give you homework. These are all the things that you have to do before I'm willing to spend my time to meet with you. If you make it difficult for people to do business with you, then guess what? They're not going to do business with you. We're in a customer service industry, so we need to be focusing on providing value to the customer. Hey, I'm going to go show you this house. Hopefully you get pre-approved. Well, you know, if you like the house, I'll get in touch with the lender. Oh, you're not ready to buy for another, you know, 90 days. I'm going to meet you anyway, because people will do business with the first agent they meet face to face, like 70, 80% of the time. And you want to be that person. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I still plan on being in real estate six months from now, you know, a year from now, two years from now. So, you know, feed that pipeline. Absolutely. Thank you for answering so eloquently. So I'd love to ask the inverse of the last question I asked you. So I asked you for some best practices. Like, What are some things that most agents are getting wrong? That's a good question. I think, um, I think a lot of agents will, will spend time trying to create a need where there isn't one. Um, we've all had those clients that they don't need to move. They just would if the perfect house came along. And it can be really difficult, especially if it's like a high dollar client. You know, if they're looking at a really expensive price range, you could spend a lot of time with that person and never see any results from it. I think the best use of our time is typically spent with people who are ready, willing, and able to buy. They have a need that you can fill. I think it's, you know, 70, 80% of real estate transactions are the result of a life event. Getting married, getting divorced, having a kid, having a kid move out. Now you're an empty nester. Getting a new job and you're relocating. Those are the types of things that create a need for us to, to move. It's not very often that someone just says, you know, my house is fine. It checks all the boxes, but I just want to move, live five minutes closer to work, you know, or I just want a slightly bigger backyard. People tend to not move for those reasons, especially in this market where interest rates have gone up. A lot of the people that we're talking to, you know, that are move up buyers or, or repeat buyers, 
they've, they've got equity, but they've also got a really nice interest rate that they would be giving up if they were to move right now. So you should be spending your time focusing on the people that actually have a need that you can fill. Uh, you know, they're renting and their lease is almost up. Maybe their landlord is kicking them out. Maybe they are expecting a baby. They need an extra bedroom or, you know, they got a new job offer and they need to move. So focus on the people that have a need that you can fill. Absolutely. I just wrote that number down. 70, 70% of people had a major life event. I'm, I'm going to start thinking about yeah. that a little bit more often because, you know, in retrospect, that seems to line up pretty well. And that could actually really show you how to focus on which leads are the right leads to focus on. Yeah. Absolutely, man. So obviously you've hit $400 million in production. Like this doesn't come without an amazing company culture. So I would love to talk with you on how you developed and built your culture up and how you've been able to maintain it. Because as you've been adding agents, it becomes more and more challenging. Yeah. So this is, you know, this is something that we've been working on for the last six years or so. Um, you know, the, the, when we left the franchise about three and a half years ago to become independent, we had six agents at the time. So over the last three and a half years, we've grown from six agents to 129 agents as of today. Um, we really just focus on taking great care of our people. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I still plan on being in this business six months from now, two years from now, 10 years from now. So I try to take a long-term approach. I see a lot of companies, they just focus on what's in their best interest short-term, you know, trying to take the most money from their agents, keep the most margin for them. Um, I really focus on trying to create a win-win, but almost even leaning in more in favor of the agent than in the company. Because if I feel like if we take great care of our people, if we give them the training, the resources, the support, the leads, the coaching, like every opportunity to be successful, we really pour into them and help them make more money and, and enjoy their job, you know, providing them the staff support to take certain things off their plate, the parts of the job that they don't enjoy doing, you know, they can focus on meeting with their clients and negotiating deals and doing the activities that they enjoy and that actually produce revenue. We believe that long-term that's going to come back in our favor as well. And it's worked over the last, you know, several years we've grown, uh, you know, in a very short period of time, we've, we've added a ton of agents and it's all been really from word of mouth. You know, we don't cold call, uh, our MLS roster to try and recruit agents. We don't send out text or email blasts. You know, we don't even have a careers page on our website. All of the growth we've had over the last several years has really just been word of mouth. Agents come to our company, they're successful, they're happy, and they tell their friends. Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty impressive. You know, most most people that are growing at the rate you do, they're doing heavy, heavy recruiting. So you obviously must be doing something right. So I'm curious, like, what do you think most other team leaders are getting wrong? You know, I don't want to. I don't ever throw anyone under the bus or say like, you know, these are all the things that you're doing terribly wrong, but. From from my experience, we have a lot of agents here at our company that were on a team at another brokerage, and then they join us, you know, as an individual agent because we offer a lot of the same types of things that you would get from a team without having to be on a team, if that makes sense. And a lot of the common things that I hear are, you know, the split was was too lopsided in favor of the team and not the agent. They feel like they're doing a lot of work and not earning enough money. Um, so the split is really important. Um, providing training. Um, you know, being available to, to answer questions and walk, you know, hold someone's hand who's maybe writing their first offer and really pour into them and help them through, um, you know, giving them the, the education and the support they need is really important. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, just take good care of your people. Uh, think about if you were an agent at this company, what would you want? And then try to do that for your people. 
Cool. I think you said something important back there. You said you offer a lot of things that teams offer without having to require them being on a team. I would love a little bit more context there. Yeah. And this has changed a lot over the years, but you know, when I first got into the business seven years ago, it was really common for agents on a team to be quote unquote buyer's agent. Like they're only allowed to work with buyers. A lot of teams still do that. Uh, personally, I, I think that's really kind of pigeonholing your people. You want your your agents to develop the skills of working with buyers and sellers, not just buyers. That's just my opinion. If you're a team leader and you've got buyers agents, that's your prerogative. Um, but I think that's that's one thing that it's a complaint that I heard a lot from people who ended up jumping ship and joining our company because they were on a team and they were only allowed to work with buyers and they wanted to be able to take listings. Um, they were tired of having to refer the listing to their team leader. Um, you know, things like having a, a more generous split for your agents if it's business they generate instead of a lead that you give them. You know, there are a lot of teams out there that whether it's a lead provided by the company or generated by the agent, the split is the same. Uh, personally, I think you should be incentivizing your agents to generate their own business. Um, having a cap, you know, a, a cap how much they're they're paying into the brokerage per year. I think that's really important to be competitive nowadays. Um, but also, you know, social things too, like not just focusing on work stuff all the time. We have a lot of social events, like we'll do happy hours, we'll go, We'll go bowling. We'll go to baseball games. Like we do just fun stuff together as a, as a team. Absolutely, man. Very cool stuff. Um, so you're also a man that's passionate about investing. I would love to learn a little bit yep. more about the strategies that you're utilizing and, and what kind of success you've been having. Yep, absolutely. So I think investing is, I mean, real estate is a phenomenal way to build wealth. Um, I was actually a real estate investor before I ever became a real estate agent. Um, for me personally, it's buy and hold. Um, I've, I've done house flipping and stuff like that. It's not really my cup of tea. There's some people out there that are very, very successful at that. Um, but I, I just, you know, every, every real piece of real estate I ever sold, I wish I'd kept it. So, you know, eventually I just decided to become a buy and hold guy, but, um, you know, real estate, it, it's, it's really the ideal investment. Um, and that is actually an acronym that people throw out ideal, you know, I is for income, D is for depreciation, E is for equity, uh, a, I think it's appreciation, right? Uh, and L is leverage. So what other asset out there is there that you can put your money into and you get that cash flow every single month without having to actually liquidate or sell? You're not having to sell any shares. You're, you're, you know, some stocks provide dividends, but you know, the cash on cash return with real estate is typically a little bit better than that. So you, you get that cash flow. Um, the ability to leverage your investment um, with a 30 year fixed rate loan at such a low interest rate, even in, even with today's interest rate, it, it's really a good deal, um, historically speaking. So uh, yeah, I, I think real estate is really powerful for the vast majority of Americans. It's their biggest, uh, their biggest asset. Um, I think it's one of the quickest ways to, to build real impactful wealth for your family is to, is to buy rental properties, um, especially if you're using leverage, you know, carefully, you don't want to over leverage and, and put yourself in a difficult spot, but, um, if you're, you know, if you're making decent income in your job, you don't necessarily need, um, you know, your, your properties to have huge amounts of, of cash flow as long as there's some margin. Um, I know some, I've had some clients over the years that just wanted to move money around and they were okay buying something that was cash flow negative. That's never been my thing. Like it at least needs to be cash flow positive. So that worst case scenario, if everything else goes wrong, I don't, I'm not forced to liquidate and sell this asset, but. Um, I, I think if you take good care of your properties, you're careful about finding good tenants, um, you know, then 
And real estate is, is really one of the most powerful ways to build wealth long-term. And that's one of the reasons that we decided to offer property management services to our clients as well. So in addition to working with buyers and sellers, we have a property management division. Um, so we can really add that extra layer of service to our clients. We can help them buy investment properties, and then we can manage it for them as well. Make sure we find a good tenant um, and we're taking good care of their property. Absolutely, man. 100% agreed. So I'm curious when you're looking at investments, like what kind of acquisition strategies are you guys utilizing? Yeah, I think that is really going to vary from investor to investor based on what your particular goals are. Um, we have some clients that, you know, they buy things at the uh, property tax auction or they buy really rundown properties with the goal of fixing them up and, and for forcing that you know, value add. Um, I think if you're a really, really busy real estate agent, if you're selling a lot of houses, your time is probably better spent focusing on that. I've known some agents over the years that have had very successful real estate sales businesses but then they take on a flip project that takes on so much of their time for like six months. And yeah, they made some money on this flip. But if you look at how much commission they could have earned if they had just kept selling real estate instead, I think some people get stuck in that trap of, you know, flipping houses is, is you know, the fun, sexy thing to do. So they, they spend their time on that instead of actually selling real estate where their, you know, their time is best spent. So uh, just be careful there. Understand what's the highest and best use of your time. Uh, and maybe you do flip houses, but maybe you hire a team. Maybe you have a project manager, an acquisition person, and you can kind of scale and put systems in place. So it's not taking you away from a higher dollar per hour activity, such as selling, selling real estate as an agent. Um, me personally, you know, if you're very productive as a real estate agent, your time is worth a lot of money, then maybe you don't spend all your time looking for this perfect deal that you can get at a deep discount. You know, maybe you spend a lot of time to find that deal and a whole lot of time to fix that up just to add a little bit of appreciation. Maybe your best bet is just to buy boring cookie cutter homes that are already rent ready. Uh, me personally, I'm a big fan of buying new construction because, you know, we can just get a tenant in there. There's typically no, you know, repairs or maintenance for the first several years. It's just very easy. Um, usually there's some pretty good incentives you can get from the builder. So that I've been a fan of that strategy for me personally. Um, but that's just going to depend on your overall situation. Um, I definitely have some clients that have found success hunting for those good deals and, and fixing them up and doing things like that. So it really just depends on your situation, what your day job looks like, what your goals are, how much time and money you have to put into a deal. Absolutely. It's cool, man. If I asked you, like, what was your superpower and what was your secret sauce to grow this team from, from where it was, you said you when you transitioned over to six agents and, and before the call, I believe you were at like 109 or something like that. Like what, what, yeah, what so, was yeah, it? Yeah, we finished last year with 119 agents. Um, we're at a 129 right now. So we've already added 10 agents and, you know, what's the day, the 19th of January. So, yeah, I think if I had to pick one thing, um, I'm really passionate about helping other people get what they want. So... I love the coaching aspect of this business. Um, recruiting is fun, training is fun, but coaching and accountability, you know, when, when I get an agent from another company who's selling 10 houses a year, helping them figure out how to sell 30 or 40 houses a year is incredibly rewarding. So if, if they're willing to do their part, you know, and, and do the things that I ask them to do and, and they bring the work ethic and the energy, you know, I'm willing to work with them and coach them and give them the tools and help them set their goals and figure out what they should be doing on a day-to-day -day basis, holding them accountable to actually doing those things. That's what I'm really passionate about, helping other people reach their potential and get the things that they want. 
Absolutely. As you mentioned towards the beginning, you know, success leaves clues. Like, what do you think is one of the most common things that we hear? You know, people being go-givers and value-driven tend to be yep. the types of people that I end up interviewing. So, I mean, there's a reason that there's so many consistencies out there. Um, so thank you for sharing that. It's cool, yeah. man. As you mentioned, we just kind of hit the new year. You've already got 10 new agents, man. Like, what are your goals for this year? What's your vision for 2023? Yeah, so this year um, we're working on expanding into a new market. So we're primarily up here in the Greenville area, but we're working on opening an office down in Columbia. So we're working on bringing some agents on the team down in that market. Um, we want to really focus on giving our agents the skills to be successful in this changing market. That's really important to us. It's one of the metrics that I track on a weekly basis is the per agent productivity. So hiring a bunch of new agents is one thing. That's great. But what's really important to us is making sure that our agents are successful. So I think a lot of people focus on just recruit, recruit, recruit. And a lot of companies are kind of just numbers driven like that. Like let's throw it against the wall and see what sticks because a lot of agents are going to get out of the business or they're not going to be very productive. So we've got to hire a bunch in order to be productive. Um, but if you look at the agents that have been with us for at least 12 months, they're selling, you know, five to 6 million a year on average. So we've got really productive agents and we want to continue to do that as the market changes, as it gets more difficult to be a real estate agent. I think a lot of people are going to get out of the business in general over the next year or so, uh, as the market changes and it gets more difficult. We are really focused on training our agents, giving them the skills, giving them the coaching to thrive in this changing market. Absolutely, man. Well said. So cool, man. Anybody listening, like what would be the best way to reach out to Michael Smith if somebody wanted to do so? Yeah, I think if you're, if you're interested in learning more about our company, you can go to bluefilmgroup.com. Um, whether you're a potential buyer or seller or a real estate agent in our area, or you know, if you have a, a client maybe moving to our area, you want to send us a referral, gladly uh, pay you a referral fee. So you can go to bluefilmgroup.com and, and learn more about our company. Um, if you want to learn more about just like me and how I've been growing the business and like the challenges we've had, the things we've learned the hard way over the last few years, uh, you can go to scalingfromscratch.com. That'll point in the direction of our YouTube channel or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all that. Absolutely, man. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show and giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business, Mr. Smith. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. So go out there and commit to taking one action. Remember that everything works. Just do it and do it consistently and do it with massive, massive intention. And then tell somebody you know that will hold you accountable. Before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one.